Americans, once again the race is underway with 12-hour pit stops scheduled at St. Louis and Albuquerque, home of the American Indian Museum. At this very moment, the cars are howling through the streets of Manhattan, but no points have been scored as yet. Take it away, Junior Bruce. They're coming out of the Lincoln Tunnel now, with Frankenstein and Joe running neck and neck. Then it's the Lion, driven by Passby, Calamity Jane in the bowl, moving into third place. Now that's entertainment. You're all lucky a driver like me just happened to turn up in your prison. Oh, I'm more than lucky. You're out in front. Who are you going to shoot at? You don't go backwards. He knows we set him up. What are we going to do? We're going to kill him. just happened. Can't kill me. You can burn me, you can shoot me, but you can't kill me! Do you recognize these people? Because your daughter will. They're her new parents. What's her name? Piper. That's the man she'll grow up calling daddy. Unless you do something about it. Where is she now? Oh, I'm sure I have her address around here somewhere. You're a smart man, Mr. Ames. Play my game, we both go home happy. The man who killed my wife is in this prison. I wonder what he'll say when I ask him why he did it. Why don't you look in a mirror? Ask him. Poor Piper. It must be hard growing up with that knowledge. That your father killed your mother. Welcome to a brand new episode of Split the Difference. I'm your host, Jesse, and today I have with me Seth. Hello. And Byron. Hello. And today we're talking about some fucking tough guy movies, goddammit. <laughs> we're talking about Death Race 2000, directed by Paul Bartell, versus Death Race from 2008, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. 
Oh no! He d- okay, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Did you not know? <laughs> no, I saw a movie called Death Race with Jason Statham. I'm gonna go see that shit. But now you know it makes sense. <laughs> How many Resident Evil movies did he make? <laughs> I think they're up to eight. Yeah, he made uh, he made five of them for sure. He because he didn't do the first three. He just took over after three, right? No, he did the first one, and then two people. Once somebody else did the second and third, then he did the rest of them. So he did four of them. That makes sense. That sounds right. It doesn't matter. They all feel the same anyway. Uh, yeah, I didn't see the one that had the Guns and Roses in the trailer, whatever the most recent one was. Uh, final chapter? Yeah, don't. It, the editing is atrocious. If they had numbers, I might be able to tell you, but they're oh, all just yeah. word salad, <laughs> yeah, no, no, so. Numbers are all fucked. <laughs> I, I know four, uh, four is the one that broke um, uh, the Red Letter Media guys, right? They were like genuine laughing fit. <laughs> I think that's the fifth one that they just break down and they start they start laughing because it's it's all the stupid shit in the movie oh. or something like that. It's the fourth or the fifth one, yeah. Uh, I saw that one in theaters right during the 3D craze. <laughs> oh <great>. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, we're not saving. It. If anybody asks, hey, can we save the Resident Evil movies? No. I I'm would... already doing another one. <laughs> we it's apparently going to be good. Don't ask. <laughs> that's a lot. to Anyways. Sit yeah it's a lot i'm not no I, I will kill someone if i have to sit through all six of them so anyways <laughs> death race the original film from when was this 1975 this mm-hmm. is two years before star wars directed by paul bartell this is produced by roger corman oh boy Woo! he's he, he's been a recurring character <laughs> Over this yeah. last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about Little Shop of Horrors. We've discussed him on several episodes, and here we are again. Like, he's got his fingers in everything. So, the man knows how to produce films that make profit, and apparently this was a very, very profitable film for them. It mm-hmm. only cost about 300000 to $530,000. Made five between 5 and $8 million. That's a big return on investment. Oh, yeah. Big return on investment. So, the general premise of the film is... In the near future, after the world crash of 1979, quote-unquote, uh, there's a totalitarian regime that's taken over the United States government, and in order to keep the populace entertained, they have a cross-country death race. Basically, five separate racers race across the country, and the goal is to get to the finish line not just first, but also with the most points, and the way you get points is you kill people, either your opponents or random pedestrians on the streets. Which, that joke permeated through our culture in the oddest way that, like, even today, people will make jokes in the car of, like, oh, I almost hit that guy. Well, you should hit him. It's ten points. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. This is based on a short story called The Racer by uh, uh, Eve Melchior. And it's very dark and very dour as a short story. Mm. Roger Corman said, I'm going to make it a satire. Good decision. (laughs) Good decision. Because if this was realistic, oh, it would not work. But yeah, the original, it it, uh, stars David Carradine in a starring role and Sylvester Stallone in a a co-starring role. This is before Rocky. Mm -hmm. So this did have him in it. Okay, good. That was him. (laughs) That was him, yeah. This is before he got uh, got to do Rocky, and so he's working his way up the chain. <laughs> so it's early years, and God, he plays a good scumbag. Yes, he does. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
The main character, though, is uh, Frankenstein. Basically, he's a racer that's been in so many accidents that he's been sort of pieced back together uh, through futuristic technology, <laughs> even though there's no scarring or anything like that. I'm thinking that's all bullshit. Well, th- yeah, because that, that's the turn of his thing, right? Is that... Uh, it, 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 never mind. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. No, no, no. It's fine. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Go ahead. Well, no, because I thought, doesn't he reveal that, like, he's part of a line of people? And so the, the crashes, they just invent the story of how they fixed the injury and actually just put a new guy in the car. Yeah, that's the point is that, uh, it's apparently the gag is that Frankenstein never really dies. They just put the mask on somebody else. Right. Yeah, which is even more extensively portrayed in the remake, and we'll get to that later, but <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. But in the original, it's kind of vague. It's v- the This original film is very corny. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, Byron, what were your thoughts watching this? Because you apparently watched these in reverse order. You watched the remake first, and then you went into this. Well, how did that feel? <laughs> Wait, so David Carradine popping up was, like, not a surprise for you then, right? <laughs> uh no it was the reverse because like i'd heard about all the jokes you know get get extra points for hitting people and then the one with jason statham came out and it's like yeah that's great there's mini guns on that mustang i'm in yeah um and it, it gave me what i wanted that was cool and then it's like oh well let's go ahead and watch the original i heard uh sly stallone is in it that'll be cool and so it, it he turns out not to be the main character and i'm like what the hell is this <laughs> Um, and, you know, it's like strong wrestling vibes. There's the Nazi car. Um, I I was expecting, because the way people talked about this, I thought this was like a whole genre of like car and race movies. And I was really surprised that it wasn't because like Twisted Metal is a big title in the video game sphere. So I thought there was like a huge back catalog of these and watching the movie. It's like, oh, it's much smaller scale. There's five racers. And, you know, I'm thinking like Star Wars pod racing scale shit where there's like 200 racers. You don't know their names. (laughs) Well, don't 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 forget this had a very, very tiny budget. If they could have had like 20 or 30 racers, they would have. But they had only so much money. Sure. Well, and that happened later in the uh, the sequel, which I also had a good time with Uh, Death Race 2000. That one's fun. Um, I don't know if we'll have time to get uh, to it. You mean Death Race 2050? That's it, yeah. My bad. Yeah, so there, there is actually a sequel to this original film called Death Race 2050. I haven't watched it. It came out like two years ago. I had a good time. Huh. Yeah, it, it's it's very recent. Apparently, it's also genuinely good. It has like an over 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Malcolm McDowell villain. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. That is perfect. Yeah, he's always a good villain, yeah. Oh, it's Roger Corman produced. Oh, interesting. He's still making movies, man. Still making movies. The man will be around for so long. Oh, God damn it. Jesse, (laughs) I swear to God. I swear to God. (laughs) Fuck! Hey, hey. Moving on, moving on, moving on. So... Going into this original film, did it feel odd that uh, it got so down downgraded and scaled down uh, that's actually, well, actually what I... I actually let me ask you this i'm gonna jump into the remake a little bit so this original film is a is a uh a cross-country race going from new york to los angeles 
Well, how do they do it in the remake, you guys? <laughs> you want to take this one, Seth? I, they, they just design video game levels. <laughs> it's set in a fucking prison. It's fucking, it's a racetrack in a prison. How small scale can you make that shit? God damn, dude. <laughs> I, I will say, and maybe I'll repeat this when we get to the to the remake, the idea of power-ups that are on the track that get turned on when you drive over them and you can't use certain guns until that's been activated. Paul W.S. Anderson is a video game nut, and that might be the best video game to movie conversion of a video game um, aspect that I've ever seen. Like, it just, it worked so well for me that I was like, well, shit, I wonder if you can do this with other things in video games, like Mario power-ups or something. I mean, we'll find out when that Mario movie eventually gets made. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Do you mean Mario and the Minions? Because that's 100% what it's going to be. Bring in the rabbits too, while we're at it. Please, yeah, just start just start off on that crossover. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Anyways, so the original film is a, is a cross-country race, and... What was everybody's best se- favorite sequence in the original film? Um, I I'm not gonna lie. I really like that they the stop offs each day have this like hedonistic setup where they just oh, yeah. they just stop to fuck and eat and sleep. <laughs> it, it's it's like gla- it's like gladiator uh, tournaments. Yeah, it's like it's yeah very very gluttonous, and I I really liked that. Just the, the first scene where that happens, because it comes out of nowhere. They're not like cussing up a storm uh, or anything like that. And then it's all of a sudden just like titties, butts, muscular people. And I was like, what is happening? This is very fun. And that was my like, okay, I'm fully on board moment. Um, Apparently, Sylvester Stallone wouldn't do that sequence because he said he was going to be completely naked in that scene. He was like, I'm not doing it. So they, they put a towel over his ass would, when they did that. Do you scene. know why he didn't want to do that? Because he was in a porno not too long before that. <laughs> yes, I know. I yeah. know. I know. For those who don't know, Sylvester Stallone did a softcore porn film to keep himself employed. <laughs> that was before he did Rocky. Go where the money is. Yeah, but if I had to pick a sequence, I think it's the um, the yearly euthanasia of the elderly where they cart oh, people yeah. out into the street. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I love the fact that Roger Ebert gave this film a zero stars when it came out and said this is hedonistic and it's violent and I'm like dude did you miss the joke yeah. <laughs> are you not getting it Get yes it? man come on <laughs> that's it's the point joke. <laughs> I, I also just really love the, the like this is just this is where the Hunger Games stole its ideas from but they dropped the racing aspect yeah. and they made it human hunting instead but everything else is like this is this is Hunger Games. Yeah, well, like every, like every, um, I actually compared it to uh, like um, uh, the Running Man, mm, the yeah. novel, the Running Man, not the film adaptation, but the original book of the Running Man, where it's you basically they choose a person to be the Running Man, and you can go literally anywhere in the world. You can hide wherever you want, as long as you hide out for a month and don't get caught you win, like, some egregiously high amount of money, like $100 million or something like that. Yeah. And nobody's ever won, so therefore they never have to give out the money. Right. Um, but the idea is that you can go anywhere and you can do anything, and that's kind of the point of this film is that it is cross-country. You can go literally anywhere and do anything. Yeah. You can kill anyone you want. You get carte blanche to do whatever the hell you want. Whereas the remake, 
And you're stuck in a prison the entire time, and you're just stuck on these racetracks, and it's not very interesting. Yeah, the 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 remake's like the Condemned, basically. It's racing Condemned. Yeah, like, and it just has that horrible, disgusting brown and gray color palette. But we'll get to that. Um, but this this original film feels like it's it's inspired like reality television where we've gone at this point. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of uh, films that have been inspired by this, like you said, The Hunger Games, like any re- any film that's about like reality television, like or like you were watching the Wrong Turn series. Was it Wrong Turn Two? Yes, the Henry Rollins one, the only good one. Well, until the new one, which is actually fucking amazing. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. But yeah, that's that's the thing. It's inspired so many other things, and it became a cult classic. It's. Mm. Earned its reputation. It, for anybody that says, oh, this is disgusting and violent, guys, it, it it's a joke. This is a giant joke. Like, everybody knows this is goofy as hell. In, in case it wasn't clear, um, he has a hand grenade. Oh, yes, yes. There's a sequence where apparently Frankenstein, David Carradine, he wants to get as close to, as possible. He wants to win the race so he can shake hands with the president who's been afar. He has apparently put the White House in Peking, <laughs> uh, I guess, to avoid rebel insurgents. Um, but he wants to shake hands with the president just so he can detonate it to kill the president. And his hand is a literal grenade. Which It's the best scene of any movie that has ever been made. Do, yes. as, as soon as he pulled the glove off and he was like, it's a hand grenade, just straight, that just perfect straight delivery from David Carradine, I was like, oh my fucking god, this joke! My whole house erupted in, like, cheers and shouting and cursing. And it makes sense, because apparently in this world, if you kill the president, you become the president. It's Chronicles of Riddick rules up in this bitch. Yeah, apparently, if you kill the president, you become the president? Okay, yeah, yeah. If that's the case, I wasted four years. (laughs) oh man uh byron what was your favorite scene it was the hand grenade (laughs) Um, yeah hand grenade yeah because it's so unexpected like yeah the the movie is goofy but frankenstein plays everything straight the characters take everything seriously um yeah and so that's why it's so unexpected because it's like you don't you don't say that you don't say it's a hand grenade Unless you knew exactly what stupid shit you were up to. Um, so it was just this completely su- complete surprise attack, and I loved it. And uh, my other favorite part is the... I feel a lot of lucha and wrestling in this. Yeah. Yes, the design of the vehicles and the design of the outfits. Yeah, and how they are all widely different. Yeah. And not built to be fast or even to kill really well. I mean, they do, but... You know, like the the Nazi car hmm. kind of looks like one of their jets or one of their rockets. <laughs> you know, just I was I'd never seen the I've never seen this movie, and then the moment like not even two minutes in, like swastika starts showing up. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Right. I was like, what the fuck? I, Apparently, I love I love that he thought that in the satirical future world, Nazis would come back, and that's a joke <laughs> in this movie. Uh, it ain't so funny anymore. Uh... She gets her comeuppance, though. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I will say that what that you know what? That's my favorite scene where um, uh, Calamity Jane is chasing. Uh, I can't remember the German driver's name. Uh, let's let's see what her name was. 
I'm certain it's in good taste. Oh, it was Matilda the Hun. Matilda the Hun. When Calamity Jane is chasing Matilda the Hun and she goes through that stupid fucking fake tunnel. Ah, it was Looney it's like Tunes. a Looney Tunes skit. Yeah, it's Looney Tunes. And she just dives off the cliff. That's my favorite scene because I could not stop laughing at how dumb this was. I, I also, um, <laughs> w- one of my favorite things, and this is like dumb to know, but uh, you know the the last day of racing, you remember when Frankenstein throws it in reverse and kills the two mechanics? Oh, yeah. One of those mechanics is John Landis. John Landis. Good old John Landis. <laughs> it, it, like the, the, I, the, I love that the humor only works in the 70s because satire now is like you have to you're you breach absurdism with satire now yeah watching this through like the lens of it's the 1970s and that's this is like the craziest fucked up stuff they could come up with and it it's almost makes it funnier to me so that by the time the movie's jumping into the looney tune stuff and hand grenades and visual gags i'm going like this is bonkers fun like this is just so much fun yeah it, it, it's clever it's 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 well shot i mean it, when those cars are driving they really feel like they're hitting like top speed yeah they definitely speed up a lot of footage to, to they, do, they yeah. do some speed up footage but they do feel like they're still hitting like a good like 45 50 miles oh, absolutely they feel like they're really moving and it's not like quick cuts. It's lots of, you know, lots of continuous shots. It feels, you know, it's well directed, you know, for as shoestring a budget as it is. It's well directed. Did you guys like that rug pull when um, uh, uh, Joe Machine Gun rolls up after taking the detour that was wrong and the oh, guy's yeah. fishing and he's like, oh, I named a dog after you. You're so cool, Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> he chases the guy through the river. Oh, man. <laughs> and, uh, and that machine gun Joe just can't get a break. That that leads me into one of my favorite aspects of the movie is half of the kills look like a goofy um uh like like comedy movie. They're not gory. Yeah. It's just like bodies tumbling in slow-mo over a camera. And then oh, yeah. and then you have the ones that's like blood splatter blowing out from a manhole when the two guys get hit after playing chicken or him like revving his tire on the fisherman and just blood erupting into the water. It's like there's two different kinds of kills and they're both equally entertaining in this kind of movie. Like there's no consistency. It's just all what they could do the day that they were shooting it. Yeah. It was just, you know, it just, it just feels like people just getting together, just making a fun movie yeah. not being concerned about the reception of it. <laughs> like Roger Eber gives it zero stars. Well, it doesn't matter. The movie made money. We don't care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I think even later on, Roger Eber did say, yeah, it's actually, it is entertaining. I still give it, I still stand by my review of zero stars, but yeah, I was entertained by it. <laughs> That's why you got to have like, it's rated zero stars. Go watch it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> has he ever given did he, did he ever give any other movie a zero star rating oh yeah he's given a few and and usually it's either v- like very justly deserved or he totally did not get the point yeah okay <laughs> wait, like, wait you mean that, like he's human That that's how it is with film criticism but sometimes things are um smarter or or years ahead of themselves and that's just that's what ha- that's kind of the you know the the drop of the glove is that uh you sometimes make something that people aren't going to get for a little while <laughs> thinks about john carpenter's the thing which i think he also trashed yeah yes he did he did but uh 
you know, didn't matter. The movie is a classic. Because I had I had seen actually I've seen four out of the five Death Race movies. Um, Why? <laughs> I have this thing in my brain that for those who don't know, there's sequels to the remake. There's like what five sequels to yes, the remake? Yes. Yes. Um, oh man, I'm missing out. Yeah. No. No. Byron, you're you're th- really not, Byron. This is you're right up your alley. Here. <laughs> Right up Byron's alley, just from what I know about the movies you like. These are very much for you. But I have this thing in my brain that says, if I watch a movie and it's bad, but it has a bunch of sequels, that means that a lot of people like it, and so they're going to get trashier, and I just want to see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Again, I watched all the wrong turn movies back to back. Didn't have to do that, but I wanted to. And you only found one other good one besides the Henry Rollins one. Correct. Oh, they get so much worse. Was that one called The Right Turn? No. No, <laughs> they're just numbered. It's just, I, I think they have like like subtext, but they, they keep the number as well. So it's like wrong turn, six, bloodlines. So it keeps everything nice and concise. I applaud them for doing that. <laughs> yeah, bonus points, because I can tell which is which. <laughs> But how about the Death Race sequels? Do they actually improve, or do they get worse? Oh man, the the, the it's a steep drop in, in even from the first one. Like the drop off to two, <laughs> it's like it's all those red box movies. I don't know if people know what I mean when I say that, but there are movies made for red box, and yes. that is what all of the sequels are. That uh, what was that uh, plane heist or? Money plane. Money, money plane. plane. Money, oh yeah. Money plane is the like the king godfather of Redbox movies. <laughs> if you want a good time, this is completely disconnected from Death Race. If you want a good time, get together with your friends and get a bunch of tequila and just drink watching Money Plane. <laughs> Anytime you see a bad visual effect or a bad set or something that doesn't look right in continuity. Take a shot. <laughs> You'll be dead in about 20 minutes. <laughs> also, that's a good time. I, I I just need to do one thing for the good of humanity. I want to do a recut of Money Plane where when uh, Frazier says it's a money plane, it just pauses for a solid minute of quiet just so you can enjoy <laughs> just the the perfection of that terrible cinematic moment. <laughs> Please pipe in some just plain idling sound. Yeah, yep. Just uh, cut reaction shots, cut back and forth as as if they're all like awkwardly sitting there for a minute thinking about the choices they made in life as actors. (laughs) So I didn't know Death Race 2000 was going to be a comedy going into it. I like, I picked up on it very quickly, um, but I didn't know because the sequel is so not a comedy. Yeah, like this is a prime example of how the original got the tone correct because the original story it's based on, The Racer, isn't a comedy. Right. It's it's very kind of grim and gruesome and dour. It's even more graphic. Um, but Roger Corman, because he knows how to make a good movie for a wide audience, decided let's not do that. Let's because it's 1975, we can't do that on screen. We're gonna get an X rating if we do that. Mm. Let's make it a comedy. Let's make it funny. Let's make it a satire of America, like where we're going with American television, American culture. Mm-hmm. Like apparently, the entire country watches the show. So, you know, I also love the fact that they avoided how this show is made by just never showing you any camera crews. It just cuts away to the studio. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love all of the um all the news crew that show up. Oh my god, that guy, the, uh Bruce, the guy <laughs> with the really bad teeth. <laughs> And the glasses. Oh my god, the guy is like he's always smiling. He he's always he was oh. chewing the scenery. Oh my god, he loves it. He loves it. Yeah, I, I, and I love his like his facial switch when they're t- saying that um, Matilda the Hun died, and he's like getting the new information that's saying that that's not what happened, and she actually killed somebody. And just the, you can see the like the breaks applying in his brain, going. Oh fuck! What do I? Okay, well, and then here's the smile again. Just kidding, folks. Uh, she actually scored a point. <laughs> she scored a point as she died. Brilliant. Oh man. But yeah, this this original film is is a lot of fun. And actually, I, I saw it on YouTube for free. I didn't pay for it. Same. Probably should have. But I think it's just, it's it's just so old, and it's just it's. I think it's. Has this fallen into public domain at this point? So, um, Death Race is totally public domain. It is public domain. Huh. That's why it was on YouTube. Anyone ah. anyone can make a Death Race movie. Oh, okay. That's why it was on YouTube. I was like, why is this floating around on YouTube? Oh, that's why. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, okay, now I'm upset because there are not enough Death Race attempts. <laughs> This is why they've been able to do those sequels to the remake, because apparently they can just say, oh, it's another Death Race movie. Yeah. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Jesus no, Christ. No, one, no one's going to stop them. Get wow. George Miller on the phone. I've got work. Oh, no. So speaking of perfect Death Race movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, oh, God, like, when did Mad Max come out? When did the original Mad Max come out? 1982? Uh, I, I I thought it was the end of the seventies. I thought it was seventy nine, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think the first one is late seventies. Seventy nine, yeah, seventy nine. So yeah, this inspired Mad Max. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Holy shit, dude! Yeah, like if you want to see where Mad Max Fury Road, you know, really came from, this is it. Would you say that this is as good as or better than Mad Max, or do you think George Miller saw the the gem within the idea? The original, original, the yeah, original, original Mad, Mad Max. Uh, yes, I would say it is. I'd say the original Mad Max is a is a slow burn to the last twenty minutes. Yeah, I like the original Mad Max. It's good. I think it's got quality stuff in it. It's very well done. It's well shot. Um, but I do think that when you get to like Road Warrior, it's like, oh god, why would I ever go back? <laughs> right. Yeah, then you go to Thunderdome, which is good, not great, not my favorite. It's pretty good. And then you get to Fury Road, and it's like, oh, masterpiece, like perfection. Yeah, like I don't know how they're going to do any more Mad Max movies after this point because it's like Fury Road is so perfect. Mm. Two words, Tank Knights. <laughs> <laughs> There's two movies in development right now. Oh. There's two Mad Max movies. There's the Mad Max, The Wasteland, and there's Furiosa's prequel. I'm fine with both. I will take infinitely more Mad Max in my life. Anya Taylor-Joy as young Furiosa, I am all Oh, hell yeah. I'm in. Snyder incels suck it. (laughs) Suck it, Snyder incels. (laughs) I hope it'll be good, but on the other hand, I'm not too excited about a movie that is the events that were just summarized in uh, Fury Road. Hmm. Like, I figure if they were that important, they would have made it into the movie. Well, sometimes... Any story can be interesting. Yeah, sometimes you discover the story while you're making the story, and that's, like, half of film rescue rescues is, like, yeah, they explained a better movie in the movie, so I'm just gonna do that one instead. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> if, if that's what happened to George Miller, I'm fine with it. Uh, he can make both, and I will appreciate them both. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. I'm just used to it going the other way. Yeah, no, very true. It's a very rare circumstance that a 
a visionary like George Miller discovers a better movie within his perfect movie. Well, speaking of somebody who's not a visionary, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson with the uh, Death Race remake from 2008. Um, There's a killdozer in it. <laughs> it does have a killdozer. Uh, I didn't hate it. Uh, I think I'd seen like clips of it. I'd never seen the film, and I I didn't see it in theaters. Apparently, this made profit. Uh, not by a lot. I mean, it made like not by a lot, by a little bit, but it didn't. You know, it didn't make huge profit. But it's I I didn't hate the movie. It's got some good moments, but yeah, it's 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 not good. I think it earned the amount of money it deserves. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. It earned what it deserved. <laughs> It's worth noting that we've said that Paul W. Sanderson is a huge gamer. Yeah. Seven years prior to this film, Twisted Metal Black came out onto the market. Uh, probably one of the best PS2 games ever released. Mm. And the look of the vehicles in Twisted Metal Black and the look of the vehicles in Death Race are eerily similar. I wonder what video game he was playing. I wonder. Yeah, they're sort of pieced together junkers. They're sort of slapped together like machine guns are strapped to the rooftops of the cars. You know, and this one really actively encourages violence against the other competitors. The original <laughs> film, the original film does not encourage violence against the against the other competitors. It's just a race. Get to your next destination and then kill pedestrians on the way. Whereas this one, it's mainly just they're trapped in a prison in a circular track, which begs the question, why do you need a navigator? <laughs> why why do you need a navigator? It's You're not going anywhere. This movie begs a lot of questions, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bullshit. Like, the entire movie... The, the, the movie doesn't really start till 40 minutes in. Let's get that out of the way right now. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's zero 40- death racing until then. Yes, there's zero death race till 40 minutes No, in, it so. opens on the first Frankenstein's death race. You get three minutes of death race, and then you have to sit like a good boy for 40 minutes if you want more. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so, so apparently Anderson says this is a kind of sequel to the original, which is bullshit. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely canon because David Carradine plays the old Frankenstein. But then why is there another guy also named Machine Gun Joe? I mean... This one has machine guns. <laughs> so I, I think this movie's better because of that and that alone. The fact that they kill off the original Frankenstein, Carradine's character, is kind of like a fuck you to the original film. Oh, yeah. Like, like you're adapting it, you're adapting this original film and putting it into modern day. So they took the death race that was a cross-country race and they made it only in a prison with convicts? Uh, well, you're glo- sounds like a downgrade, Jesse. You're glossing over the most interesting part. Why are there so many convicts? Oh, because they're all framed for murder. <laughs> yeah. So can, can we get over? In, in, like, okay, so apparently Jason Statham was framed for murder of his wife, and has now been forced. He was originally a NASCAR driver, and he quit driving, and there was a giant economic collapse. Mm-hmm. So everyone is poor and broke and miserable and can't find work. That's funny. So. He loses his job and he goes home and his wife is murdered by these people that were from the prison because you, you know, you can just guess the plot like 10 minutes. in, And 
he finds out that the people that killed his wife are actually still in the prison, and it's Jason Clark and one of the other drivers. Why you choose them, I don't know. Um, so they basically just got him arrested to get him in prison to drive for them because Frankenstein died, and so they put him in the mask. Right. I have a question. Go for it. So there's a giant economic collapse. Yes. People are out of work. Exactly. Why would you not open this up to the public and ask him for racers to jump into the to the races? Ah, because Paul W.S. Anderson doesn't want to kill normal people in these insanely gory ways. <laughs> he wants you to not feel bad about it so that prisoners who are there because the economy collapsed and made them go to crime makes it more relatable. To me, I thought it was a different way of focusing the satire, which is like the, econo- the economy collapsed so everyone's fucked. Even a talented driver is forced to work in a factory that's like withholding paychecks and whatnot and everyone's pay-per-viewing this event it was much clearer to me that this was a form of the society control which is part of the old death race but it's basically the entire part of this one but byron how are people pay-per-viewing a death race when they're poor because the economy collapsed i mean we've lived through a few economy collapses some people still have money, and it, but it's not him. It's, you know, the vast majority of people don't so, and are... Do you, you genuinely read this movie as satirical? Yeah. Interesting. Like, they set it in a prison because it's like, well, you know, that way they can claim only bad people are a part of this event. There's no killing of innocent people. It's like, no, if you're out of prison, you're a good person. This is like a prison industrial complex movie. And I think it's a good thing why Carradine got killed in the beginning, because like that's part of the Frankenstein character. It doesn't matter who you are, you're going to get ground out, they need a new one. Mm. I, I, I'd like to counter that. So the, uh, like, uh, the original Running Man book by Stephen King, a.k.a. Richard Bachman, <laughs> his, his, right, his pen name for that book. Um, so in that story, anyone can jump in to become the Running Man as long as you meet certain physical requirements, because there's a giant economic collapse and the country is falling apart. Mm. It makes it more interesting for the viewers that watch the show because they're like, oh, like he could be among us. He could be one of us. The next big, the next big running man could be among us. Wouldn't that be more interesting to see like just a random driver jump in and do this? I mean, I don't know, because the Running Man movie didn't do it either. <laughs> Well, the other way I could counter that is the Running Man film with Arnold Schwarzenegger is literally the same plot as this movie. (laughs) Literally. Down to fucking plot beats. Framed for murder, thrown in prison to be forced to compete. Yes. It's the same fucking movie. (laughs) Yes. So, like, (laughs) and both are satires, right? Or is Running Man being serious and saying we should do this? The Running Man film is a satire. At least the first half of it. Uh, <laughs> the sa- once they get into like the revolutionary bullshit at the end, that's that's they tacked that on because they needed to end the movie. Oh, but Fleetwood Mac. That reminds me. Now that you said it, um, the revolution in Death Race two thousand is like incompetent as fuck. Or was I misreading? Oh that? yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's incompetent as they fuck. were useless. Yeah. The, she, the the leader is called Thomasina Payne. Yeah. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I mean, so so Byron, I don't disbelieve you. I'm. I think if I had to land on anything without rewatching it, 
looking for satire because I wasn't at all. I I've always I saw it in theaters and I just saw it as like a straight action movie. It I think the case may be that uh, Paul Anderson wanted it to be satirical and just didn't know how to frame it in a way that would be maybe a little more obvious. If I were to believe that that it were intentional, I would believe that maybe it's just poorly executed i guess is what i'm saying but again i it's also not terribly funny because we look at like the prison system in america now with how corporatized it's become yeah like it's not funny (laughs) it's like you're not showing anything that's like satirical over the top you're just showing corporatized prison systems i mean that's all it is like it's just like they're on the screen like there's no satire to it at least in my opinion i I think the satire it's much i mean it's much more not subtle as it's smaller than any other movie. Yeah, it, it's definitely subdued but, if it's in there. And I, I'm not saying I disbelieve you. I also just have never watched it with that mindset. Although, yeah. I, I can definitely, definitely tell you that the subsequent uh, sequels are legitimate absurdism. Yeah, but let me get back to this. Sure. The reason why I'm certain it's a satire is because the villain is constantly concerned about her metrics, about her numbers. Mm. And she specifically thinks of more things to destroy her prisoners to raise those numbers. And it's not, yeah, that's not funny because that's that's getting really close to real. But I don't think satire has to be funny to be effective. Mm. Um, And yeah, it could easily have been done better. You know, Robocop, satire blows this out of the water. But watching it, that's kind of what it felt to me. And, you know, it's not a good movie, but I was able to pick up on that Basically, I think they're two different types of fruit. You know, you've got your orange over there. It's funny, over the top, insane. And then you've got this one, which is, uh, let's say, a mushy apple. So it's worse. Still kind of sweet. Has some satire in it. But, you know, it's a totally different beast. Yeah. I mean, there's there's good moments in this movie. I mean, the, the moment when the Dreadnought shows up. <laughs> That whole sequence is great. Like it's that if you wanted proof that this is a twisted metal movie, that's just minion. Yeah, <laughs> that's just minion. That's all it is. It, it 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 is literally down to like boss battles. Yep. Yeah, it's just that's the boss battle. That's minion showing up as the main thing to fight. Like, and it's a great sequence when they finally kill that thing. Oh my god, that was great. <laughs> oh, um, there are some great moments. The uh, was it fourteen K that. Um, gets out of his car. Oh, it's Robin Shu. It's Liu Kang from Mortal Kombat. Dude, he gets <laughs> eviscerated. Oh my god, he gets his ass handed to him. Oh boy, I really liked him. Actually, you know, now now that I'm thinking about it, I might have to watch this one more time with like a a magnifying glass for satire because if that is the case, it actually changes the way I feel about the movie a little bit. Because I I agree, it's like. Paul W.S. Anderson makes very passable movies. I The editing is almost always dog shit because I'm pretty sure he edits off of his ADD medicine. Um, that's just how... <laughs> he, he thinks that intense intensity is built by fast cuts. Um, yeah. I mean, he has a style. There's a... Th- I, I don't hate Anderson. I think that he seems like a very nice guy. Oh, yeah. And he scored a great wife. I mean, good, good damn, you're lucky. <laughs> but I do think that as an as a filmmaker, I've only ever really liked one of his movies, and it's Event Horizon. Event Horizon. Yeah. Even that movie, even, even that movie has like massive problems. Oh yeah. 
It like it like Sam Neill just goes crazy for no fucking reason. Like there's like twenty or thirty minutes of the movie just just missing. Oh, well, yeah, the and combat they, is awesome as well. Let's be real. Yeah, they they had to cut a shit ton out because it was getting like X ratings when it was going through. Yeah, the and apparently all that footage has unfortunately been lost. Unfortunately, yeah, only like only like not even the masters exist anymore. Only like like VHS tapes exist, and it looks like dog shit quality. Damn. So. Everyone's asking. Everyone's asking for the Anderson cut of Event Horizon. I'm sorry, guys. It doesn't exist. Footage got destroyed. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I'm still hoping for some tape in some drawer somewhere. <laughs> yeah i i I want to like more in the in the remake. I really the the, the inter prison action sequences are so superfluous, but they're also it's Jason Statham doing his thing and. Good goddamn if, if he's not great at beating the shit out of people. <laughs> I mean, the sequence in when he's uh, in the lunchroom is a great scene, but it's just too damn short. Yeah, yeah. Or like when um when he's getting uh, choked out with the chain uh, in the garage and just he bounces that guy's head off a C-clamp. And I was like, is that actor okay? Like, I'm genuinely, genuinely <laughs> concerned about the actor because that looked yeah. really real. There are good moments. It, it's it's a it's a film with good moments. It's stretched across a bunch of cr- a bunch of crap. Yeah, that's I, a good way to describe it. It's spread very thin. What it <laughs> yeah. has is spread very thin. Yeah, it, it's it's these little things that just keep piling up. They keep wrecking it. Like, why do they have navigators? There's no reason to have a navigator yeah. unless you want to get women into the movie and. Of course, when the women show up, they all have huge tits. They're dressed in tight clothes. They zoom in on her ass. Like we get it. Uh, yeah, and not much different than American football, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it, like this is like American football with guns. That's all. It Do you is. know what I think the like ge- like in general issue is? You know how what? in John Wick, the first one is David Leach and Chad Stahelski, right? Yes. Um, and we as we as we've discovered on Film Rescue. David Leach without Stahelski is really good at action, but not very good at like structured story. Yeah, we already talked about Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, I think Anderson needs his Stahelski. He's the he's the action guy. He knows how to put like really functional action scenes together, but then he goes back and tries to string them together with video game logic, and it's like, no, this is where the Stahelski would step in and, and make an engaging story that is very functional. Um, yeah. He, he definitely strikes me as an act, as a director that would be helped by like a, a teaming effort instead of you know taking all the creative control onto himself. You know who he'd be great as? Second unit director. Oh, 100%. He, he he that he is a second unit director that somehow wound up in the first unit position. <laughs> he, he's really good at putting together some good action scenes, but when he gets behind the editing board, he just hacks up his movies and it's like hold on one shot more than a second, dude. <laughs> like like that last Resident Evil movie is chopped to hell and it's basically incomprehensible. It's basically <laughs> impossible to watch the movie because it's a mess. It's like watching a slideshow on fast forward. It's like, yeah, I'm getting information here, but um, uh. no, it's not even like that. It's like browsing through the timeline on YouTube <laughs> very slowly to find the clip you really want. That's what it feels mm. like. <laughs> yeah, uh. I think um, the remake would have done better if because did Death Race come out before Cannonball Run? 
Uh, the original? Yeah. Because, like, Death Race feels a lot like Cannonball Run. You know, you've got this cross-country race, everybody splits up and goes on their own adventures and hijinks, and occasionally they hook back up for a scene or two, mm. and then split again. Uh, Cannonball Run was 81. Oh, okay, so not. It's, it's not that. Yeah. So that's the feeling I get. I think the remake was a lot closer to trying to copy Rollerball. Because the part I liked about this new movie was the sport aspect. You build your car this way to do that. This car is the slowest, so he mounts the heaviest guns because he knows he's not going to get into front of anybody, so he's just working on chipping everybody apart. Right. That stuff is really cool to me, and I think if he fo- if there wasn't like a prison, or maybe the prison is actually the sports league, but they just don't tell anybody, and this was like Car Wars team sport type thing, I think that would have been much more successful. Yeah. Because well, even in the original, the the race aspect isn't really so much of what it's about because they start off from the same point every day. Like the, it's not like they're staggered. Yeah. Um, so it kind of reminds me of like Speed Racer in that maybe every day is a different leg and they're getting scored differently on that, and they just didn't take the time to explore that. Uh, I like that kind of setup because it makes. Like Byron, you're saying the the kind of stuff where you could win death race with a Winnebago stuffed to the gills with guns because it's at the end of the day about scoring points and not about finishing first. Yeah, yeah, really go into the sport so that your characters can explore the different parts of the game as part of their personality. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 then you look at this remake and it's like it's just about oh kill the other drivers, right. like yeah. kill them all off. Like, well, what happens if like all the drivers die in the first leg? Then what? Right. <laughs> Do you not have the rest of the race? <laughs> yeah, that actually really bugged me because I loved the miniguns on the Mustang, but because he was always in front, he never got to use them. And I'm like, oh, good. Well, there is that one scene where he spins around backwards and he's shooting backwards. That's cool. <laughs> That's a good scene. Like that. That like creative stuff like creative stuff like that. I was like, yes. Do more things like this. But that also brings up another problem I have in the movie, which is the armaments for all the vehicles. Who chooses what vehicle gets what armament? Like, if you have a, a, a vehicle with, like, ten rockets on the top versus a car with, like, just a machine gun, like, clearly the rockets are probably going to win. <laughs> so, like, who chooses this stuff? What, shouldn't every vehicle be mounted the same? Yeah, and that would to be give everybody cool a fair part. advantage. Like, if that was part of the sport where there was like a mini gladiator fight for the best mechanics. Yeah, and it literally is. There's no rules. It's what can your mechanic do? Like, oh, that'd be awesome. But no. Yeah, I wish the like luchador WWE aspect came in in the remake to make it like it's a production. They're they're yeah, choosing like they want to have it. They want to have it be as creative and visually amazing as possible. Right, and so like they're choosing day-to-day who will die and who won't. And the prisoners don't know this, but it's like, it, to them, they're, they're building this like you know, production for TV, and so they're, they're, you know, maybe they figure it out by, hey, I installed this gun, and I got the power-up, but it never turned on. And it's like, well, yeah, because you're supposed to die in this race, so we're going to make it tough for you. <laughs> you know what that would actually add? Tension? Suspense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's fun in your movies. That's fun to have that in the movies, that uh, there's bombs under all the cars and the drivers don't know it. That would be very suspenseful, but uh, they don't even bother. It's Suicide Squad cart. <laughs> and you, yeah. could, you could bring in more, uh, what's it, reality TV, where the producers are like, all right, 
Our numbers are sagging a bit. So, we brought in mortars. <laughs> what do you do with them? It's up to you. But now everybody has access to these mortars. Or, or like... Figure it out. Like doctoring. Like they have... Um, computer-generated versions of these people's faces and voices so that if they say the wrong thing into the camera, there's a lag between that and going live, and they can edit what somebody is saying, so it's totally enclosed. Nice. Originally, this was supposed or, or, or to... How, or how about, like, commercials? <laughs> Commercial breaks. Like, why is right? they say... Like, <laughs> you never see an audience. No. Remember how in Guns of Kimbo you always see the people watching Schism, the game? Yeah, or ga Why gamer. Why do we never see anybody watching this? Right. Like a single cutaway to some guy on a couch somewhere. I don't care. Just put in that and we're good. E even the Condemned had that. <laughs> gamer had that. Yeah. Didn't Gamer come out like a year after this? Uh, I, I thought it was in the same Oof. year. Um, I f oh, no, it's 2011. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm sorry. It is is one year later, 2009. Yeah, uh, 2009, Gamer yeah. came out. Like, oh, okay. how the fuck did Gamer do this better? Okay, I'm not going to lie, though. I would watch those directors' version of Death Race. That would be insane. <laughs> well, here's the thing. They were, at one point, I believe, tapped to do the Twisted Metal TV show. Oh, hell yeah. I think they're supposed to still do the Twisted Metal TV show, and I think Will Arnett is supposed to play Sweet Tooth. Dude, I'm, I'm like, erect. <laughs> Like, yeah, like just that, that, that's how you do it. Like make it a TV show about making a TV show. Yeah. Like have like interviews with the drivers off screen and how crazy and over the top they are. Like make it a satire. You could have, make it a set. Yeah. Make it a satirical reality TV show. Do like, um, in the office when they get pulled in to do the, you know, the side interviews and you know, they're over the top psychopaths and then they walk out and they're like, Hey Jerry, Hey, you want me to grab you a coffee on the way down? You know, they're like very normal. Guys. <laughs> I brought your favorite maple icing. Uh, that would be so much Dwight fun. Is to Dwight is totally sweet. Oh tooth. my God. <laughs> Bears. Beats. Battle <laughs> Dude, Rain Wilson in anything just brings the right amount of chaotic energy. <laughs> oh man. And another thing, uh, when it comes to like making a TV show appealing for a wide audience, please film it with some fucking color. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. This is like the ugliest fucking color. I hate this color palette. I hate it so much. Brown and gray all the fucking time. I hate this. For any filmmaker out there, please don't do this. It is not visually appealing to look at at all. Well, like, if industrial, you know, factory looking, like, industrial techno, you know what I mean? Like, that, it, it looks like the visual version of industrial techno. And if that's what you're going for, it's fine. But the late 2000s was just awful with this, like, desaturated... Uh, ugly setup to to make the movie more serious. I think it would have looked better in black and white. <laughs> it's like Jason Bourne films took over everything. Oh my god! <laughs> well, like it, it's like fast fast camera, shaky cam, quick editing, desaturated color palette. Like everything looked like this. Not everybody can be green grass. Damn it! <laughs> god, it's just like th there's certain films that require that or are okay with it. Like. Like, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy has a very desaturated color palette to it because it's meant to be a depressing spy right. film. Like, it's meant to look like that. It's not supposed to have color. I'm not going to lie. If the Twisted Metal show has this visual appeal, I'd be more okay with it because it feels like 
even in the title, metal is part of the visual palette. I'd be more okay with it. But the first Death Race is, or Death Race 2000 is so colorful. Like, the, oh, Frankenstein's yeah. in a bright green ass dinosaur car. Yeah, I know. But, but like, even like the creator of Twisted Metal, like David Jaffe, when they finished Twisted Metal Black, he said, Yeah, we made some mistakes. We said, we basically we made every single color brown and gray. So it's not, so it's kind of ugly to look yeah. at. And we made the game too hard. Like, he even admitted, like, yeah, we kind of screwed that up. That's why when they did the next one for PS3, they put all the color back yeah. in. Guess what? It's fun again. <laughs> it's fun again. Like, you know, just do that. I want to have fun with my violent death race game. Yeah. Or, or go black and white. That would work fine, too. Listen here, Zack oh, Snyder. F- fuck you. <laughs> You'd rather take smudgy brown than, like, full-on black and white? Byron, you're fired. <laughs> If the lighting can't fire me, uh, and that's another issue with it too. the The lighting in movies that have this palette tends to not be in like line with that color palette. No, yeah, you couldn't convert this into black and white. It looked no. Oh god, yeah, you would lose stuff. You'd lose like everything in the background. <laughs> like, it would just be, people, people would be, people would be, literally be living in a void. And I even think about like how colorful the Crank movies are for being this like because this is the same headspace as the Crank movies, right? Like Jason Statham yeah. loves these insane adrenaline drenched things, violent R rated because that that's like your your id thrives on this stuff. This is the things that you see in your dreams and want to do, and now you're seeing it on a TV. It makes total sense. Yeah, Crank one came out in two thousand nine. Crank two came out one year after this. Yes. The same year as Gamer. Yep. Like, this was a thing. Like, th- this kind of, like, reality TV being taken way too far with harsh edits, shaky cam. Like, but some films, like the Crank movies, it's appropriate. Totally. There. Because the cameras are so small, you can get into tight spaces, and it's meant to feel like an adrenaline rush. But also, that's how the, that's how the characters work in it, too. Yeah, but then you look at this, and, and it's probably, we're all looking back on this, you know, with rose-colored glasses, because... We're looking at this from the perspective of, well, it's been five years since Fury Road came right. out. When you see like how good a film like that can be, and you look at a film like the Death Race remake, why the fuck isn't Death Race the same quality as Fury Road? <laughs> <laughs> like you had you had a budget of forty five to sixty five million dollars and you couldn't even get close to the quality of Fury Road. Are you serious? It's embarrassing. <laughs> Fucking embarrassing. <laughs> Fucking embarrassing. <laughs> Marge. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just I don't hate it. I I think it's got moments. <laughs> I was about to say we're we're ragging on it pretty hard, but like I have seen much worse films. I, there are worse films. There are worse Paul Anderson oh, films. Oh, totally. <laughs> I would go as far as saying I would watch this again. I like maybe not soon. But I would watch this again as compared... Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, I'm okay with the movie, but you're absolutely right to be mad at it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, Byron, you were saying, like, this is a movie that would be really great in the theater, but terrible on television. Yep. Only saw it in theater. And was like, I'm glad I saw this here and nowhere else. Yeah. I I mean, but it would... This is, like, definitely a, hey, all of our... Me and all my friends are hanging out tonight. No one can pick a movie. Death Race sounds dumb. Let's throw that on and just have a great time with it. Because if your brain is off and like 
more focused on the people around you, a lot of this stuff is going to slip through the cracks and never be noticed. You know, I, I, I do that with my movie groups. Yeah. If they can't make up their mind, I have a threat. Like, I'm, I'm way more concentrated on how fucking caked up and ripped Jason Statham was in this movie. He was, he was in the best shape of his life for this Oh, film. my God. Yeah. For no reason. He's in a car the whole <laughs> right? time. He's in a gimp suit the whole race. <laughs> he, he almost never gets into physical confrontations with people. <laughs> they give him yeah. that like lingering shot of doing chin-ups, and I'm like, holy shit, what muscle is that in your back? Uh, that's his traps. That's his traps, man. There <laughs> that's his crank. Yeah. I, I will say this does have a, one of my favorite kills in any movie ever which made. Which one? You know which one it is. Oh, please tell us. Uh, when Mr. Grimm, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Grimm, Twisted Metal, hey. get it. He- when uh, Hector Grimm, the Grim Reaper, gets out of his car, he's like, you can't kill me! And then the guy swipes around the corner and takes him Boo. out. <laughs> just his body just fucking explodes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's the you best. You know, my favorite part of that is that not only do you see that, it goes to instant replay in the show. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and so it gets a filter on it to be less violent, but it's like, did yeah. you see that shit? Do you want to see it again? Yeah. So nice, they played it twice. <laughs> That's like, if you had that sequence and then you cut to reaction shots of the audience watching and they're like oh yeah like that would save so much of the movie some like sugared up kid getting his eyes covered by his mom who shouldn't be watching this anyways (laughs) that would be so much fun just show us that the audience wants this and like the price of reaper's merch goes way up now that he's gone dude None of these dead yet. You sc- <laughs> they released the Fortnite skin for him immediately after he dies. <laughs> no, the, no. The, the Reaper uh, Memorial uh, Fortnite skin. You know, of oh, man. donate a penny for every kill you get. Now that you're saying it, that that's the satirical aspect that's missing. It's the audience reaction to inform us that this is over the top and insane. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's missing. Totally. Yeah. Or even just, you know, the the commenters. I I'd love like a YouTube reactor character in this that like <laughs> sums up the races the next day and and does the replays and stuff and then uh you know, they're they're rooting for Jason Statham as he moves up through the ranks. That would be that would that would be the satirical fun aspect that would actually I could forgive most of the movie if that was in it. Yeah. They should have had a live musical act in the center of the track. Oh, dude. <laughs> fucking system of a down playing in the middle of the prison yeah you've got to like play live which there is uh one of the twisted metal games twisted metal head-on you play at a concert and the band is literally playing while you're doing your your first battle that's so cool slipknot would work in this movie so much better than you could ever expect Battle of the Bands, they each got their own car. So you got Disturbed and Slipknot just fighting each other. No, not not Slipknot, Ramstein. Oh, Ramstein, there you go. There you there go. You go. Have, yeah. have What's-His-Face that does the uh, the Doom soundtracks as the Doof Warrior on the front of a truck just playing that... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This movie really needed more just insane stuff. It just... It needed to go further. Yeah, it, it feels like they pushed some aspects to like 11 like the gore is so gory and but then all the other aspects are like six and i'm like damn I, if, if this whole thing was pushed to 11 if they just broke the knob off i would be having the best time of my life regardless of how silly the like 
politics of getting in this situation are. Yeah, Yeah. like imagine a spring ramp trap that just sent a car into the audience. Or, yeah, like the creative trap. Like there's only like one or two kill traps on the track. Like have more creative stuff. Like you go over one and like flamethrowers come out of the walls and they they start shooting the fire into the car. Like something. Swinging cranes with electromagnetic. Electromagnetics? Electromagnets. Electromagnets. You know, that that lock your car to the track? (laughs) Yeah, or pull you up into a crane. No, it locks the car in front of the splash zone so people can get covered in the blood of the racers. They have, like, like the the rain slickers on so they could just get blasted by gore. (laughs) That's the satire. That's the element I want. There, yeah. Hmm. It just, it needed more. It needed to go further, and it just didn't. I paid $10,000 for this seat, and I just got covered in blood and gristle. <laughs> There's a bounty for racer parts yeah. that you pick up off the ground. Yeah, I mean, if they just don't have it be convicts, have it be just regular drivers, mm. and have it be like, the more drivers get taken out, the further a bounty goes up on the people that are making all the yeah. kills. Nice, yeah. That gives them incentive to be the main target on the track. Right. Like, if you just did something... Well, and, and also... Besides just shooting at each other. The difference between signing up and being forced in it is that your character has motivation. They want to win. They came here to win to achieve a goal that they chose. Whereas being forced into it, his motivation is to get out. Like, he, like, he yeah. want, like the literal... He doesn't even finish the final no. race. The literal motivation <laughs> of the character is to leave the movie. <laughs> I mean, that right there sp- says everything. The motivation of the main character in the movie is to leave yeah. the movie. And that's actually another good point back about the 2000 is I feel like David Carradine doesn't want to race. He wants to kill the president. And so he he has to race to get what he wants. Right. Yeah. So he still doesn't want to race, but he still wants to be in the movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But because it's a twisted, fucked up future, he does have to kill people along the I, way. I like his line in uh, in 2000 where he says, where he, he mentions that um, it takes practice to be able to hit the pedestrians. And so she says, oh, does it get easier? And he was like, it never gets easier. I really like yeah. that line because it's like, I have to assume that's David Carradine's first race. Like, he wasn't in the previous races because the other Frankensteins were dying in them. Um, so... Mm-hmm. It's it's loosely implied that that's his first time. Right, through. exactly. So he's having nice. to like fake it till he makes it with a hand grenade. I, that, <laughs> that might like that might be top ten movie jokes ever for me. Goofy things like that are what should have been in the yeah. remake. Yeah, like we said, the remake's not terrible. It's just it's just not not quite there. And, like, if we're going to go to all this trouble, hire some people who really know cars so you can have lots of car gags in it. Oh, sure. Like, have a Maserati with the gullwing doors and they get fucked up because the doors won't work or something. (laughs) You know, really go deep (laughs) on those kinds of jokes and stuff. Or, yeah, like, a a Porsche has an engine in the back and somebody uses that against them by moving the engine to the front. So they attack the trunk thinking that's where the engine is and it's not. And, you know, big... Turn around, haha! We move the engine on you, bitch. Like, yeah, like be creative. Get creative cars. Don't just get like, oh, it's a Mustang. Oh, it's an Escalade. Like, get something creative. It, that's that's the that's the biggest thing that's missing from the remake: creativity. Yeah, 
Like you have all the assets in the world, and you just do the bare minimum. Because yeah, we're we're not even talking about things that could would be expensive to add to the movie. We're talking about cutaway B shots of the crowd and a little punching up in the script. All of which will be filmed after main production yeah. is done. <laughs> like this is like simple shit you could film in a week. <laughs> just like things like that, like that would help this movie so much. I. I wonder if there's a fan edit out there that did add in stuff. Could do you, I'm curious. Do you think it would be functional to grab scenes from like Guns Akimbo and cut them in of you know people cheering for uh um No, because the color palette would match. Oh, that makes sense. No, that, make it black like, and white. Another quality. problem with, because the color palette is specific to this one movie, you really can't splice anything in. That, yeah, God, I, this color palette, I hate it so much. I hate it yeah. so much. You can't cut anything into it. Wait, did was Paul W.S. Anderson also responsible for the Alien vs. Oh, boy, you know movie? it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. You know it. Coming up on Film Rescue. <laughs> That's why they hired him. They hired him because he can take a cool idea and do it as cheap as possible. And it still makes some money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, the biggest mistake with that movie is that it's PG-13. That should have been off the oh, walls yeah. <laughs> gory. Yeah. The sequel is off the wall gory, but it's also fucking garbage. He didn't do the sequel either, did he? Nope. Nope. He got, he got, a, he got a producer's credit, I believe, but he didn't do the sequel. The yeah. Brothers Strauss. Okay, that's a... <laughs> oh, the Skylines guys. Okay, I, that makes sense. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> Although they did one uh, great mockumentary horror movie called The Bay, um, have you ever seen? Oh yeah, I've seen posters for that. Yeah, have you ever seen those fish that get their tongue replaced by like a parasitic species? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They did that to people. It's really gross. You? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. It's also set in the Chesapeake Bay, so. Ah. Uh-huh. No, I already will not go in that water. D- dude, if you go in that water, you deserve whatever happens to you. <laughs> it's like it's like watching tourists jump in the bay in Baltimore. I'm like, oh, oh I remember that. Please, that's happened multiple times. Like, please stop. Please don't do that. God, don't go in that water. The sewage pumps directly into there. Oh, they got those brown trout. <laughs> it's brown for a reason. Right. Oh, God. So anyways, I think the consensus is the original Death Race 2000, watch it, it's a lot of fun. It's corny and it's goofy and it's cheap, but it's a lot of fun. It's a short watch too. It's like, what, 80 minutes? Yeah, with credits. (laughs) With credits. It is breezy. You will go through it quick. Uh, David Carradine's great. Sylvester Stallone is great. It's well directed. It's it's cheap, like we said, but it's a lot of fun. It's cheap, but it's not chintzy. It's not. It's yeah. Yeah. It's cheap, but it's not chintzy. That's the way. That's the, that's the way to put it. It's not like a lot of other Roger Corman movies where they definitely skimp on some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the money is all on screen. Right. Every dollar is on screen. I think. I think this is the first split the difference where I would recommend this as a double feature. Do two thousand, then do the Paul W S Anderson and keep, carry that like fun energy into the the remake. I could. I could definitely recommend this as a double feature. Don't not taking it too seriously, but still a double feature. And if you're up for it, make it a triple feature. Watch the, you know, Death Race 2000, the 2008 remake, and then seal the deal with Death Race 2050, and you'll see exactly the full contrast. Oh my god. Yeah, there you go. That's the full way of doing it. Yep. Sounds fun. (laughs) 
Yeah, so the original is definitely worth it. The remake, watch with an asterisk. <laughs> and if you're a film masochist like me, watch the sequels. They have a homing missile car. It's awesome. Does it win? <laughs> the most recent one came out in 2018. Yep. I don't like that. I, that's scary. Why? Oh, they're ne- they're never going to stop. It's, it's uh, open IP. They're never going to stop making them. But make them better. Dude, cars and the desert exist. That's like perfect <laughs> recipe for making these kinds of movies. Oh god, listen to this cast from this from this uh, most recent one. Danny Glover is in it as Baltimore Bob. <laughs> Danny oh, Trejo no. as Goldberg, and the voice of <laughs> Nolan North is Frankenstein. Yep. <laughs> Nathan Drake is Frankenstein in that movie, guys. Yep. Paul W.S. Anderson did the story on the on this one? Yep. You know it's going to be good. Just raking in that cash, huh? They they are canonical sequels. They like there is connective tissue between them. It's not good and it's not a lot, but it's there. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> they they are very fun for that. I, I I would I would put them up there with like if you're into the um multiple-headed shark attack movies, you'll probably enjoy the shark, the uh, Death Race films. What is it? Is it Mega Shark or whatever the hell it's called? Well, there was, t- there was two-headed shark attack. I think they went up to five or six heads. Uh, and then they started crossing over with the Sharktopus movies. Um, and then there was also one versus a giant alligator of some kind. These are all asylum movies. Like These are meant to be watched stoned out of your gourd. Well, yeah. <laughs> I assume as much. Uh, so yeah, the original, it's worth it. Worth your time. The remake, watch at your own risk. Your mileage may vary. But uh, it's... Cars. <laughs> <You're fired>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ka-chow. So, so I'll go ahead and announce our next episode. Our next note is going to be one that has been requested a couple of times at this point. We're watching Old Boy. Woo! Nice. Yes. <laughs> that has been requested multiple times. We're finally going to do it. it you're going to have it, Old Boy, the original versus the remake. I can't wait to tell you guys all the bullshit that happened in the background of the Spike Lee version. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. Nice. Oh, man. Yeah. So you know what they need to do? Now that it's what? an open IP, they need Disney Cars 4 Death Race. <laughs> oh, no! Don't do that. Well, you know what? You know what? No one gives a shit about Cars. Yeah, go ahead and take Dude, it. Dude, that, that's their moneymaker. That's like their... they ra- I, I think they made like $7 billion off of franchising and uh, merch alone from the Cars franchise. Damn. I would not be surprised. <laughs> well, it would fit, because, like, Arnie Hammer was in Cars 3, so just put him in Death Race Cars, and it just fits. Sure. Well, considering the fact that his career is basically tanked at this point, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> well, you could be, like, a cannibal car. <laughs> uh, a cannibal run car. Ha! <laughs> cannibal run. You will never top that joke. <laughs> yes! That was a hand grenade of a joke. <laughs> yes, perfect. And that is where we're going to end the episode. Good fucking night. <laughs> <laughs>